guests and covenant members, um, welcome. We're so glad that you have gathered around the word of the Lord. We have many people watching online, so welcome to you guys this, this morning. And you can't see it, but Eli is locked on to me here in the front row. So do not let this little dude pay more attention than you do. Um, why, why is today important? I've often wondered that about, is this just church? Is, is it just another Sunday morning, because for the Christian, we're peculiar, we're peculiar people, first of all, but we're, we're different because we stand in a long line of people, thousands of years who gather together. Acts tells us from the first believers that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the, the word of God, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And we've, we've, fellowship today and we've prayed and we're going to devote ourselves to the apostles teaching that which is handed down from Jesus Christ next week we will break bread next week we will have communion so you don't want to miss that come back our choir is prepared just a special time of worship for us we're going to celebrate communion and baptism if you have never made your faith public hey next week you can join us in doing that so we would love for you to be a part that moment. And, and whether you realize it or not, as we gather around the Word of God, um, I hear things that most of you don't in a good way. So I walk into my desk today and someone's put a Chinese Bible on my desk. Because they know we have people in our community that need the scriptures in Mandarin in their heart language. And I had someone ask me as I walked in today, they said, Hey, do you care if we put these Spanish New Testaments in? in the pew so we can read them in our heart language. And I said, uh, yes, do it, right? We, we gather around his word, and, and, and some of you read in English. And so whether you know it or not, the gospel, the word of the Lord transcends cultures. It transcends languages. And I know often I say we need to go to the nations because the nations need Christ. The Lord has brought the nations to us. And so what a, when we stand upon the apostles' teaching, that doesn't just mean in English. That all nations, all tongues, all tribes confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is why we gather. This is why we gather. So I know I have to preach today, so let me get back to that. We're continuing a, a sermon series called Mary and Bright, the amazing gift of salvation. So last week we looked at the wise men who, who see the gift of salvation, so they bring their offerings to the gift that God has given us. And today we're going to look at Jesus, the Lamb of God, 
So we're going to look at John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles with you, I hope that you do. As we've already mentioned, whether it's in Chinese or Spanish or English, whether it's by phone or a copy in front of you, if you don't have a Bible, we have few Bibles for you. Page 908. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1, beginning this morning. As we see the light of Jesus Christ impacting John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Luke chapter 1. It's the New Testament. The Gospels. Beginning in verse 39. If you say, well, I don't know much about church or I don't know anything about the Bible or anything about the Christmas story, I'll fill you in. So if this is your first time to ever encounter the word of the Lord, you're in a good place. This is the right place for you. Luke 1, verse 39. In those days, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, let's pause very quickly. She has just found out that she is pregnant. That in itself is news. She's just found out as a virgin she's pregnant. Does anyone else besides me not understand how strange that comment is? So the angel Gabriel brings a message. Behold, you are with child. And this is the son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the one that we have been longing for. She, Mary has just found this out. And so in verse 39, Mary sets out and she hurries to a town in the hill country of Judah where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me? That the mother of my Lord should come to me. For you see, When the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she, Mary, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. Let's pray. Father, we gather in a location in St. Clair County, in English and in Spanish. Lord, if it be your will, you would send Chinese brothers and sisters our way because we know that the gospel transcends any barrier we might have. So we gather in your name to proclaim that you are good and your mercy endures forever. Father, make our hearts leap for joy at the gospel. Lord, may we never be the same. Lord, we know that we are born to believe in you. And so now may we live out to be born to build bridges for you in a world that so desperately needs this good news. Father, help us not sit idly by. Lord, may we not sit on our hands. But may we do the work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Two points today. Um, Simple. 
born, you are born to believe, and you are born to build bridges to Christ. You are born to believe in him. We see this right here in John, in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 39. This young man, and we don't have a name yet, we're going to get to that. But we see an infant in the Christmas story not named Jesus Christ. Now you might be thinking, this is strange because Christmas is about the birth of Christ, Christmas. But we have another infant announcement, and this is not Jesus. Actually, in this passage, what's the baby's name? Some of you have read ahead. In this passage, what's the baby's name? His name is Baby. We we don't know. Now, we're going to see that this child is John the Baptist. But but some of you who have grown up and hearing the Christmas story, you're like, oh, that's John. Of course, that's John the Baptist. Well, you don't know that here. It is John the Baptist. But we know him as just a a, a baby. And and Mary, who has received her announcement, has run with haste to Elizabeth because she wants to tell her cousin this this good news that I am with child. And when when she comes, there's a greeting that is unexpected and welcomes. And we're going to look at that shortly. So John the Baptist is this baby's name. You might know him as the baptizer. Why is he called the baptizer? We're going to read John later because he baptizes people. And he's attracting a crowd because of his unique testimony about Jesus Christ. So this is the baby. This is the child. Now, what you might not realize either, Mary has run to the house of Elizabeth, whose husband is Zechariah, who has also received an odd birth announcements. You, you just thought some of these YouTube videos of these gender reveals were outlandish? Think about the angel Gabriel coming down and saying, hey, I know you're old, but you're about to have a kid. And then having like the gall, Zechariah like, laughed at the angel. Like, really? Like, you know how old I am, Gabriel. And so because of that, Zechariah had his mouth shut. And God gave Zechariah the name of this child. His name would be John, which is an odd name for Zechariah and Elizabeth's family because they didn't have anyone named John. And so this is the house that Mary is running to. So when you see Zechariah in passing, Elizabeth is used to unusual birth announcements. And when Mary comes on the scene, she hurries and she tells of this good news. Now, the journey was about three or four days. So she hurries in haste to this place and she greets her. Now, what is the greeting? Again, let's read the scripture. I know you know the story, but let's just read the scripture again, okay? Verse 40, when she entered Zechariah's house, you know, the guy who couldn't speak, She greeted Elizabeth. So what's the greeting? She greeted him. So something has going on that when she greets Elizabeth, Elizabeth's like, this is not the normal howdy. Mary doesn't walk in and say, hey, y'all. Like, there's something more here, right? I mean, we don't see that, but we know it because we see the response. This is more than a simple hello. Now, don't you think... 
that Mary spoke of what she has just learned. Like, don't you think that, that she said, hey, she probably didn't even say, hey, you got to sit down for this. Um, crazy thing happens. An angel came down and told me I'm pregnant. I shouldn't be pregnant. And they said, this is the Holy Spirit's child. And this is the one we've been expecting. This is the Messiah, the one, the one that Isaiah prophesied about. This is the one. And I know you're not going to believe me, and I know you think I've lost my mind, but I'm, I'm not going crazy. You just have to trust me. And Elizabeth's like, well, it's, it's funny you should say, what was the angel's name again? Gabriel. Yeah, Gabriel. Because, you know, my husband, uh, he can't speak right now. Because an angel, Gabriel, came to him. And he said, we know you can't have a child, but guess what? You're going to have a child. But you're not going to get to name the child. His name's going to be John. And don't you backtalk me. I'm going to shut your mouth. But when you can speak again, the next thing you say is, this baby is John. And can you, can you sense the greeting coming here? And, and Liz was saying, like this, the same angel, like, yes, I know, I believe you because that angel has come to our house. This is the greeting that changed Elizabeth's life. Because this is the greeting that John the Baptist, who Elizabeth is now with child, has been waiting for. This is the power of the good news. And at the greeting, what happens? 41, right? When Elizabeth hears, you, you often, you, if you've ever wondered if your kids overhear what you're saying, they do. This is proof, right? Mary's, ha- she's having an adult conversation. Some of you have said this recently. I'm having an adult conversation, but out. Mary, sorry, Eli. Mary's having an adult conversation. And what does John the Baptist hear? He hears in verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaps inside of her. Now, this is not a word from your normal natal movements. This is the same word in Genesis. When, when Jacob is wrestling with Esau, that's the same word used here. He's not just jumping. He is he's wrestling. John the Baptist, something that unique has happened inside of Elizabeth in this moment. It's the same word in Psalm 114 that says, The mountains and the hills skip like lambs. So what do we see here in John the Baptist? And I think we have a connection here in our life. John the Baptist was born for this moment. John the Baptist was born to believe. When John hears the gospel, what does he do? He leaps. He can't wait to react to this news. He leaps inside of her. And not only does he leap inside of her, Elizabeth refreshes the message shortly. Look at verse um, 42 and following. She says, with a loud cry, blessed are you, Mary, among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For when you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside of me. John was born to believe and make the path straight for Jesus Christ. You say, okay, now what does that have to do with me? Scripture says this about everyone else. Second, 1 Timothy 2.4 says that God wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
You want to know why you were born? You were born to believe and follow Jesus Christ. And you will never be content until you find Jesus as Lord and Savior. What is the chief end of man? To know him and make him known. You, like John the Baptist, you were born to believe in this good news. That's why God has put you here. You were born for relationship. So how does that happen? How does it happen that you were born for a relationship? Because something unique is going on here in this Christmas story. So we have Mary with child, right? Yes. You have Elizabeth with child, right? Yes. And so what's going on? That the child that Mary is carrying is giving new birth to Elizabeth's child. Like the birth of Jesus Christ is where you and I can have new birth. That's the power of the gospel. Why do we need the Christmas story? Because it took someone who was perfect to live and sacrifice for those who are imperfect. Us, me. This is the gospel. And I just want you to think really quick. Some of you know Jesus Christ here. And we should not be fooled into thinking that everyone here knows Jesus Christ. That's what Satan wants us to believe. Satan wants you to think everyone who comes to church knows God. That is a lie. That's why we give an invitation every Sunday and say, if you have heard and you need to respond, today's the day of your salvation. God loves you. He's, he's birthed you to have new birth to follow him. But think back for a moment the first time you really heard the gospel. Do you remember your heart leaping The first time you, of course, some of you have grown up in church and you say, well, I I don't remember the first time I heard it. No, I'm asking the first time that you actually heard the gospel was for you. The first time that you, like John and Elizabeth, said, this is my Lord. I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget the day in North Mississippi at a small church. I had heard the gospel hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times. But on this day, I heard the gospel. And I remember thinking vividly and clearly, God, if this story is true, I want that. God, if this story is true, I am going to leap down the aisle. And when the pastor gave the invitation, I ran, I shot out like a cannon. I don't know why. I just knew that God wanted me to be saved and I wanted to be saved. And if I ran to him, he would forgive my sins and give me everlasting life. I'll never forget the day that I leapt because the good story of Jesus was my story. And I never want to be able to hear this good news and not leap. I don't care if I am 100 years old and decrepit. I'm going to do the worm down the aisle. I'm going to make some movement. I'm going to floss. I don't care what I have to do. But this story for Christians, like this should never get old. Our hearts should leap. Something inside of us should change when we hear the greeting that Jesus saves. And he saves to die and he died to save sinners of whom we are the chief. That's what the gospel should do because we were born to follow Jesus. 
Jesus was born to give you new birth that you might follow him. This is good news. And when this happens, look what Elizabeth says. I know this is a Baptist church, but you'll forgive me. 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside of her. That's what the gospel does to those who believe. And she was filled with the Holy Spirit. How can Mary, how can Elizabeth listen to the story of the gospel? Because the Holy Spirit has opened up her heart. The same with Zechariah. The same throughout the New Testament. It's the Holy Spirit that illuminates minds and hearts to hear the word of the, of the Lord. How is it that I could sit in a church and hear the gospel thousands of times, but it wasn't until that moment that I truly heard it? Because the Holy Spirit opened up my heart in, in response to the darkness and the blindness that I had because of my sin. So what happens when we come to faith in Jesus? The Holy Spirit leads us to that point and the Holy Spirit fills us. Like God doesn't leave his people orphans. Like God fills you with his presence and his goodness and with his joy. You are born to believe. So are you living in the Spirit? Right now, can you say, if you are born again, you are born again because of the Spirit but are you living in the Spirit? Say, God, lead me today. May today be a new day. May I hear with fresh ears. And Lord, I don't know who I'm sitting by, so let me pray for this person as as I'm sitting here worshiping. Lord, let me be a bridge for them. God, let me live in the Spirit that we would not live weak, anemic lives. Like Elizabeth gets it. She says, Mary, when I heard your greeting, what was the greeting? We don't know. But at the sound of your greeting, I was filled. And I believe there are going to be tears of sadness for many of us. Because when we see God face to face, he's going to say, Josh, I wanted to fill you up, but you didn't want it. You were content just with a drop. And I wanted to fill you with abundant life and that you would pursue me with every second that you have. Oh, that we would be filled and live in the Spirit. How could this happen? Because for Elizabeth, she could say, this is the greeting of my Lord. You were born to follow Jesus Christ. You were born to believe. With that foundation, let's finish on the rest of John's life. So now we're going to turn to a new section of Scripture John, not, John is not the same John the Baptist. This is um, the gospel of John is John the elder of the beloved. But this John, the gospel, chapter 1. And we're going to read in the gospel of John about John the Baptist. John chapter 1. Now, this guy is a salty dude, right? So we're going to learn about what happens with John when he grows up. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. So you have people coming to John the Baptist, the older John the Baptist. Now he's, he's grown up. And, and they're asking him, are you Elijah? He says, I am not, he said. Are you a prophet? No, he answered, verse 22 of John 1. Well, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What can you tell us about yourself? 
So John the Baptist said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, making straight the path of the Lord. Just as Isaiah the prophet has said. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. So they asked him, well, then why do you baptize if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? John says, I baptize with water. Someone stands among you, but you don't know him. He is the one coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. All this happened at Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Verse 29, the next day, John the Baptist sees Jesus Christ. This is, this is our next meeting, right? They met in the womb and now they're meeting again here. And John the Baptist says, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I told you about. After me comes a man whose rank is far ahead of me because he existed before me. I did not know him, but I came baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he rested on him. And some of you who are astute biblical scholars would recognize that that's speaking of the moment when Jesus Christ was baptized by John. Verse 33, I did not know him, but he sent me to baptize with water. And he told me, the one you see, the Spirit descending on and resting upon, he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Verse 35, the next day John was standing with two of his disciples and he sees Jesus passing by and he says, look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus Christ. So those born again in Jesus are now commanded to build bridges to Jesus Christ. You are born in this life to be born again, to know him, to follow him, to be in relationship with God. Because of your sin, you have no hope of ever being in that relationship. That's why Jesus was born, to bring you into a relationship. Now we live to build bridges to Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? So I think the first thing that, that God has impressed upon us through his word, the way that you build bridges to the gospel, and this is countercultural, very simple to say, difficult to live out. It is not about you. Any millennials in the house, I don't care what your parents told you. It is not about you. It's not me, right? It's not about me. Because we've grown up thinking it is. And you know what we're teaching our kids? It's even more about you. And that's why I love having a young family stand up here and saying, Eli, it's not about you. I'm putting our, we're, our marriages first. And if we live and honor Christ in our marriage, then we will honor you. And we want you to see that. And we want you to know that God's plan for you is greater than our helicopter plans. Because that's what happens. It is not about you. Look what John the Baptist says. Verse 21, they come to him and say, who are you, Elijah? At this point, John the Baptist has an opportunity to make a great name for himself. The greatest, one of the greatest prophets in the history of Israel. Are you Elijah? I'm glad you asked. Because I do have very um, Elijah tendencies. But he has a chance to, as a prophet in the wilderness, this is the moment he's been looking for. 
And John the Baptist says, nope, not Elijah. Okay, well, are you a prophet? No. Who are you then? We need an answer. He says, I am a voice. You see, John the Baptist was living in the wilderness. John the Baptist was John Wayne before John Wayne existed. I mean, this guy's wearing camel chic. He's eating honey and he's dipping the bodies of the locusts because he bit their heads off. He's dipping their bodies in the honey as he's eating it. Like that's John the Baptist. He's a rough dude. And they come to him and they say, this is the moment you've been looking for. You, you finally have an audience. And he says, it's not about me. It's not about me. You see, if you are in Christ, it's not about you. So when people scroll through our accounts on social media, do they think it's about me? Or do they see Jesus Christ? When someone sees me in the mornings on Monday or Tuesday, I'm having a bad day. Do they think my life is about me or is it about Jesus Christ? When they see the world applauding and say, man, wow, look at you, you're Elijah. And in that moment, you have a chance to say, what took you so long? Or you can say, no, that's not me. Because my life is about Jesus Christ. How do we build bridges to Jesus? We live a life that says, it's not about me. Are you in need? I'm going to give. I'm going to give at my expense. And you know, I know you cursed me, but I'm going to bless you. And I know you harbor a grudge, but I'm going to forgive you anyway. Because my life in Christ is not about me. And so much so, John even says, he says, I am not even fit to, to lace up the sandal of Jesus. One of the rabbis in, in AD 250, Rabbi Joshua ben Levi, said this. He said, all manner of service that a slave must render to his master, that people must render to his teacher, except that of taking off his shoe. So the rabbis in this time would say, a good teacher, a good student would do anything except you don't have to demean yourself and tie the shoe. And John is saying, I'm not even, I'm not even worthy to lace up the sandal of Messiah. How do we build lives? How do we build bridges to Jesus Christ? We live lives that say, look at him. I can just see them coming to John and saying, are you Elijah? He says, no, look at him. Are you a prophet? No, look at him. Hey, well, who are you? We had to say something. Look at Jesus Christ. So when you are at work, are you a look at me person or are you a look at him person? Build bridges to Jesus and we do so with our humility as John did. We also see this. We build bridges to Christ when we raise our voices. Verse 23. Who are you, John? We have, we have to go back and say something. And he says, okay, tell them this. Tell them like Isaiah that I am a 
Okay, John chapter one, verse 23. John the Baptist says to this delegation, I am a voice. Now, did you catch what Elizabeth says when she's greeted by Mary? Did you catch that? That she spoke loudly. So how do we build bridges to Jesus Christ? We build bridges to Jesus when we raise our voice. Raising our voice for God. John was appealing to Isaiah 43, this voice in an exclamatory way. What is going on here is John's painting that ancient picture of when the kings would come to town, they would send forerunners and telling everyone, hey, the king is coming. There's going to be no obstacle for the king as he comes into town. And John was doing the same thing. Are you raising your voice to Jesus? Now here is the task for us. The task for the church is the same. We build bridges to Jesus when we raise our voice. So what should we say? Because unfortunately, many of us in the church for generations, I believe, we've raised voices, but it's the wrong voice. And we've raised voices that don't include love. They include some truth, but they don't include love. And so when we raise our voices now, people put earmuffs on. Because we've been raising the wrong voice. What should we say? What does John say? What, what does John say when they ask him to raise his voice? Look at verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world, and he'll take away your sins, Pharisees. This is Jesus Christ. What does the world need to hear from us? They need to hear that Jesus saves. And included in that message is that you are a sinner. And if you confess your sins, Jesus will save you from your sins. He will purify you. He will wash you clean and you will walk into abundant life. That is the gospel. Unfortunately, and I'm talking about the church collectively. Unfortunately, the world hears the wrong voice in us. People hear sometimes from us, well, you need to go to church. That's a good thing. But do you know what happens to people who go to church and don't follow Jesus Christ? They go to hell. Let that sink in. If I invite someone to church and don't invite them to Jesus Christ, they walk a churched road to hell. It's not about the church. I can't invite anyone to church. Only Jesus can do that. We are the church. This building is not the church until we gather and make it a place where the church gathers. Oh, that we would give them Jesus. The world doesn't need to see our political stances as a church. You have the right as an individual to let your voice be known. By all means, you should vote. I think that's your right by living in this nation. And what a God-given freedom that we have. Do not forsake that. But if people know your political aspirations more than they know your king, there's a problem. And if they know more about what you're against than who you're for, there's a problem. And so we cannot use our voices in a way that people just put their ears, put their hands over their ears and just go la, 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 la. We've heard this story again. 
You know what we need to tell them? You're a sinner. You're not in relationship with God. You're not good. But let me tell you what happened. God sent his only son, born of a virgin. And he lived a sinless life. And so let me, let me back up for you really quick. You've never known anyone that was born of a virgin. I, I understand that, but I believe it anyway. You've never met anyone who lived a sinless life. It's, it's strange to our ears, but I believe it. You've never met anyone that died on the cross and was buried for three days and rose again. But world, let me tell you, if you believe the unbelievable and you believe that this is the Lamb of God, He will take away your sins. This is the voice that we raise I don't care who your favorite team is. I don't care who your favorite politician is. I want this county to be the most difficult place to grow up and go to hell. I want this place to be so full of gospel saturation that it is almost impossible for someone to live in St. Clair County and not hear the gospel and still walk away from Jesus Christ. Because I want them to go to the supermarket and one of you are there saying, Behold the Lamb. I want them to go on Facebook and someone's there saying, behold the lamb and going to the ball field and someone's saying, behold the lamb and coming to the church and someone's saying, behold the lamb. And they say, what is with you people? And we say, no, it's not us. It's that cross. It's Jesus. We should be building bridges to Jesus Christ. And I long for the day that Satan just gets tired of sending his demons to St. Clair County. And they're like, we have to go there again? Because those Christians take seriously the building bridges to Jesus thing. And they tell Satan, we've just given up on St. Clair County. Because the Christian community there believes what they say they believe. And they build bridges. We can't go to the bank. We can't possess the bank because they're building bridges. We can't possess Dollar General anymore because they're building bridges to Christ. And we can't possess the church because they're building bridges here to Jesus Christ. You We're born in Jesus to build bridges. Lift the right voice. But our bridges continue. Look what happens to John. We see this in verse 24. Now they sent from the Pharisees and they asked him, why do you baptize as if you aren't, if you were not the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? See, you build bridges to Jesus Christ when you live in faithful obedience. Why does your sin matter? Because the world is watching. Because in Revelation, we see the church standing, the bride, the church standing before the throne of God. And the church is not standing in matted clothes. It's not in the dark robes of grief, but it's in robes of white. And purity. You see, we are commanded to follow him in obedience. Jesus, here in this passage, is the illusion is that he was baptized. Why was he? Did Jesus need to be saved? No. Did Jesus need to repent of his sins? No. Did Jesus need washing for what he had done wrong? No. Jesus wanted to model for us what obedience to the Father looks like. And if you have never been baptized as a public declaration of your faith, what are you waiting for? 
Next Sunday is your Sunday. Write on a connect card, come forward in response. We want to make that happen for you, to walk in faithful obedience. But it doesn't end at baptism. Obedience is a lifelong journey in Jesus Christ. It's about the glory of God in us. And when we live out an obedient life, you're building a bridge to Jesus. When someone cuts you off in traffic and you don't respond, you want to, but you don't respond because you know, God, I want to demonstrate your holiness. You're building a bridge. When someone has wronged you and you don't retaliate in a way that, because you want to display the glory of God, you're building a bridge. Church, we must take sin seriously. When you're tempted to, to watch that TV show or to look at that website again, when you turn it off, you're building a bridge. Take sin seriously because God demands our faithful display of faith. But it's not always easy. This is not always easy. See, what you will not find here in this passage is that John believed so strongly in the Lamb of God that he was willing to die for his belief. John believed so strongly that Jesus was the everlasting Lamb that he was willing to die for his faith. Listen to what Josephus Flavius, I know some of you were reading that this morning, So Josephus Flavius, an ancient historian, says this about John. He was killed by Herod, and this is why. Lest the great influence John had over the people might be put into John's power and inclination to raise a rebellion. For they seemed ready to do anything he should advise. So Herod thought it best to put him to death. What you might not know is John spoke up and used his voice and said, Herod, it's not right that you should take your brother's wife as your own wife. This is is an illicit affair and it is not what God desires in your life. It is sinful. Repent. And Herod said, if you do not stop the message, I will kill you. And John said, I will live to make straight the path of our Lord. Living for Christ is not easy. So is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it better for you and I to sit in silence and live a comfortable life and one day have to look God, be be at his throne and say, I would rather sit on my hands and be comfortable and live for you. I don't think John the Baptist gave his life for that message. I don't think Jesus gave his life so that we would clap and cheer, but when we leave this place, make it about us. Is it easy? No. Is it worth it? Yes. And I pray that we will not leave here silent.
So what does that look like for you? If you are a Christian, what if your bridge for someone else is you just come into the altar and say, God, I'm going to pray for this person. They don't know you, but send your spirit to open their ears and their, their heart, Lord. Let me build a bridge today for you. I don't know what that means in your life, but I know we are called to be build bridges, bridge builders for Jesus. What bridge are you building right now? And maybe for you it's a confession of sin because people see your life and they realize that you are not living in holiness like God wants you. So for you, that would be repentance. Maybe someone has God put, put, God has put someone on your heart right now and you need to come and you need to spend time in prayer for, for John or for Bob or for Lucy and say, God, they don't know you, but I want them to. Let me, let me intercede for them right now. Maybe God's calling you to be a missionary, to go overseas and build bridges around the world or to be a pastor. Maybe God is stirring your heart for that ministry vocation. Oh, do not wait to respond. But there are some people here that you have never responded to the gospel. And for the first time when you heard that Jesus loved you and he died for you, your heart, something, something inside you leapt. If that's you, we want you to know that God loves you, that he is waiting to forgive you if you would repent of your sins and believe this unbelievable story that he sent his son for you to die for you. He was raised for you. He was ascended for you. And that if you would believe, you would have abundant life. We'll have pastors and um, prayer partners to come pray for you this morning. But build a bridge. And if you do not know him, you are born to believe. And may today be the day your salvation. Let's pray.